Grab your mason jars, strap on that apron. It's time for Canning with the Diva. Making her mark across the globe. Teaching you how to safely preserve delicious recipes. Please welcome your host, Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. Hey there, it's Diane Devereaux, the Canning Diva. Thank you so much for tuning in to Canning with the Diva. I have another fun episode as we are approaching the end of season two. Uh, we're going to focus on canning and preserving elderberries. And I'm going to share with you how to make an elderberry syrup recipe as well as an elderberry tonic, especially as we have learned in recent years that elderberry has really grew in popularity, but we always kind of knew, right, that it was very healthy for us. It, it helped us, you know, keep our immune system high and boosted. It helped us ward off some of the seasonal crud and, and other things, right? So today I wanted to share with you what I do in my home. I'll also share with you the brand of dried organic elderberries that I purchase. Um, and that I use to make this amazing syrup and tonic. And of course, um, I'll share some insight and information about the elderberry, why it's healthy, what to avoid, what not to do, because if elderberries aren't prepared properly, they can actually be quite toxic to a human being and make us pretty sick. So I want to make sure that today you're equipped with everything you need so that you can safely preserve their goodness and, of course, create healthy tonics and syrups that will be a staple in your pantry from here on out. Okay, so let's get started. Um, like I was saying, I want to make sure you understand what the elderberry is. So we'll, we're going to start there with what the elderberry has been primarily used for, which is wine, jam, and, of course, syrup. And then some individuals who grow their own elderberries, um, they have been known to make pies, make pie filling. So it's been known to help medicinally for centuries now. And I, I think primarily, it's not like a magic pill, right? It's not like um, taking an elderberry or eating elderberries going to, you know, get rid of everything instantly. It's not a quick fix, but eating and ingesting the elderberries supports the immune system because they naturally have antiviral and anti-inflammatory benefits. And there's one variety in particular that I use and I talk about and write recipes with, and that is the Sambucus nigra variety. And I'll spell that for all of you tuning in and taking notes. It's Sambucus, S-A-M-B-U-C-U-S, and the Nigra, N-I-G-R-A. Now, I love canning elderberries each year, and I like doing it in a variety of ways because I want to have their healthy, healthy benefits, but I actually do enjoy their flavor. And so that's why I'm giving you two recipes as well, because the elderberry syrup canning recipe that I'm going to share is scrumptious. It is so good. It is... Um, how do I say it? It has like warm tones to it because we're going to add cinnamon and cloves. Um, 
the, you'll taste the elderberry, of course. There is a bit of sugar because they naturally need a bit more sweetening up. Um, and then when I do, so I use the unbleached sugar. Um, I do get asked all the time, you know, for those that are on, you know, specific diets and they have to watch their sugar intake, can I do something else? Can I add something else? And the answer is yes, you may use Splenda. That's fine. Um, the issue is, is it's not going to be very syrupy because the Splenda absorbs a lot of the liquid. So when we dive into the recipe, I'll kind of share more details with you on how to how to make that work. And I'll also share with you uh, for those that want to sweeten it later, like when you go to use it, you want to add honey. Um, we're going to talk about some workarounds um, from the canning recipe to create an elderberry tonic which is not going to be canned because we're going to use the medicinal properties of raw honey to give that an extra cool boost of, um, well, now antibacterial properties, right? Okay, so for those of you who like to do more digging and you want to research a little bit more beyond the podcast, I highly recommend heading over to everydayhealth.com. They have done a very good job describing in great detail the many benefits of ingesting the elderberry. And what I've what I gather when, when you when you read everything and, and you're diving deep, um, in modern times, it played a key role in healing before the invention of antibiotics, right? That's kind of what was used prior to modern medicine. Okay. Then or I should say back then, all the parts of the plant were used because they were believed to be medicinal. And so they wouldn't just use the the berry. They would use the leaves and the bark. And those two components, the bark primarily, was used to treat pain because it was an anti-inflammatory. And it was made into a pumice and used for toothaches and fevers. And then, of course, other various combinations of it uh, used to treat other ailments. And so I found that quite fascinating. But then we as a society, once we, you know, got into more modern medicine and we're creating antibiotics and antivirals, it it became, what does it always say on the bottle? Like if you buy the capsules, um, a dietary supplement, you know what I mean? Like we, we've kind of downgraded the elderberry to that. But in all honesty, just because we've evolved doesn't mean that the elderberry has changed. It is still very rich in flavonoids. Um, it, it has a powerful plant pigment that has been shown time and time again in, in tests and science-related you know, testing. Um, it reduces inflammation. It does also have those antiviral properties. It, it hasn't changed. I think what we've done as a society is we just start bringing it back, especially, you know, with COVID being out there. But um, there are certain things I need all of you tuning in to pay attention to and make sure that you're doing because, as I mentioned earlier, if you don't, if you don't properly prepare your elderberries, they can make you very sick. So for, for one, make sure that you're cooking those elderberries prior to eating them. All right. And when I say cooking them, I mean exposing them to heat and water for long periods of time, letting all of the arsenic that is naturally in that berry to be heated and evaporated out of the food. Without the exposure to heat, you could get 
arsenic poisoning, especially if you're ingesting high levels. Now the bark, the leaves, the seeds, and any unripe green elderberries, okay? Oh, it's not arsenic. I'm sorry. Cyanide. I get those mixed up. I think it's my, it's my fault because my mom and I love watching um, black and white movies and all the old stuff. And we just watched Arsenic and Old Lace and laughed our butts off. And I just now have arsenic on my brain. <laughs> it's cyanide, ladies and gentlemen. And those of you tuning in, it's cyanide that needs to be cooked out of the berries. And either way, whether arsenic or, or cyanide, you're going to deal with some very to toxic substances if you do not cook it first, okay? And I recommend, unless you're skilled in dealing with this plant as a whole, just stick with the right berries. I There's no need for you to be cutting down bark and, and removing leaves and and let's just stick with the berries. If you're skilled in it and you have, you know, knowledge, I applaud you. But for those of us that are just looking to make a simple tonic to have on hand, um, or in this case, the syrup, we're just going to stick with those berries. Now, while we're sticking with those berries, we need to make sure that we're only eating the purple and the blue ones. Okay. Cause that is an indicator that they are ripe. Okay. And again, you're only eating them after they've been cooked. If you eat uncooked berries, okay, the side effects include nausea and vomiting, dizziness. It, could, it Again, it's toxic. So I had a really good um, question pop up on Facebook when I posted this recipe. And you can find me at Canning Diva. Um, there was a, a, a follower who had said, you know, I've been given some elderberries fresh from my neighbor. And I mean, that's a blessing. That's pretty awesome. But she said it was taking her hours to pick off the ripe ones because there were so many green. She's like, is there a way to do this better? Well, first off, elderberries have a natural protective mechanism. Okay. When they grow, they don't they don't all ripen at once. They don't all flower at once. And this is done to protect the plant. Okay. So it's going to flower in stages. Everything's not going to bloom at the same time. That's very normal. And as you get the berries, everything's not going to ripen at the same time. However, if you keep them on the bush long as possible, and you keep checking them each day, as you start to see berries ripen, there will come a point in which the entire bunch is purple or dark blue. Okay. And you don't have to go through that painstaking process of picking off all the ripe ones. Plus look at all that you're wasting. So I, I, I suggested to her to ask her neighbor very graciously, because you don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth, um, to just please let them stay on the bush a little bit longer, like a matter of just a few weeks. And whether it be her or her neighbor checking them every day, um, it will benefit everyone. And it's going to be healthier for that plant too, okay? Because you want them to keep blooming every year. You want them to keep producing berries every year. And then, all right, last and certainly not least, never eat red berries on other elderberry plant species, okay? There are a plethora of species out there. That does not mean they're all edible. And red, we all kind of learned this growing up, or at least we should have. 
when you're walking through the woods or you're foraging or you're trying to grow or you move into a new home and you're like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I have red elderberries. No, you don't. <laughs> Stay away from them. Red is always the big warning no-no. Okay. Even goes right down to those darn dart frogs. You know how cute those little red ones are? Yeah, those are the most deadly. <laughs> red in nature is a no-no. So if you see a species of elderberry with red berries, don't eat them. They are highly toxic, possibly deadly. Okay. Now, because of the seasonal nature and availability of the elderberry, and for those of us who don't grow them ourselves, I suggest purchasing them and purchasing them dried through a reputable source. Now, um, there are many sources out there, and I'm and I'm certainly not being paid to share with you who I use. Um, and I'm certainly not dissing on anybody who has an amazing product out there. So do your own research. There's nothing wrong um, with, with stepping out from what I'm going to recommend, of course. Um, but I really do like this particular brand. I like the company. They've been wonderful. Um, I've been using them now for a few years, so I feel very confident in the quality of their product. And I really do appreciate that they are organically grown. They're safely harvested. And I know that they are the Simbucus Nigra variety. And that's the one I want. Okay. That's the one I'm speaking about today. That's the one that I use in my recipes. That's the one that I've tested. It's pH. Okay. There's so many other varieties out there and the pH of the elderberry can, can kind of range and flop all over the place. And it can be anywhere from like, um, 4.61 to 5.19 on the pH scale. And you all know the higher the number, the lower the acid. So we need to keep the acidity a bit higher, you know, and then we supplement the lower acidity with more exposure to higher heat at longer time periods. But because this is the brand that I've used and tested, I this is the one I'm going to promote. So um, you can buy one pound bulk dried elderberries, they're whole dried berries, and the company or the brand is Birds and Bees Teas. So if you also enjoy loose leaf tea, that's another amazing source, very good quality. Um, but I highly recommend them. For those of you that do follow me or you've signed up for my newsletter on my website at canningdiva.com, I've shared this information with you in a newsletter. And um, when you open that and you read the article, there is a hyperlink in there so that you can be directed uh, to the um, branded product, which is Birds and Bees Teas. Okay. All right. So now when you're using the dried elderberries, I highly recommend you not using them to make pie filling. Okay. For those of you that want to make pie filling, I highly suggest using the fresh, you know, berries. Okay. Make obviously the ripe ones, of course. But the reason I say that is even though they've gone through a very painstaking process to ensure that the um, berries are removed from the, you know, the bunch. There are sometimes some sticks and twigs that wind up in the berries and they're difficult to remove as they dry because they get very small. So it's, it's kind of a tedious, it's actually almost impossible. I tried, it's ridiculous. You get so frustrated. You can't pick them all out 
but it's okay when you're making syrups and tonics and jam even, or jelly, I should say, but jam and pie filling because you want some of that whole berry, right? I highly suggest using fresh. So that's the one caveat. Um, you're a bit limited when you use the dried, but then again, you know, if you don't have access to the fresh, this is the, the most amazing alternative. Okay. Let's get into the elderberry syrup canning recipe. Um, those of you that are tuning in and taking notes, this will make roughly seven half pints or three pints. Okay. The uh, yield isn't perfect because we are going to um, kind of break this down. We're going to let it uh, simmer. So there's going to be a certain level of evaporation. And depending on your altitude, depending on your stovetop, um, and depending on how hot you have it while you're simmering it, I don't know how much liquid you're going to lose. So uh, my yield is a, a very best guess, and it's based on what I yield here, you know, in my kitchen. Now, this syrup is potent, and it's very flavorful. And I will regularly mix a tablespoon into a cup of my hot green tea. And I'm actually sipping some right now as we're, as we're talking today. So I usually will do that a few times a week to just keep my immune system high to help ward off, you know, the colds and the flus that are all going around. I mean, it has been, it's been really, really wacky here in Michigan. There's been so many people sick, which that's par for the course, right? That's what happens this time of year. Um, but if you don't want to look at it from that standpoint of being medicinal per se, you can enjoy this delicious syrup over top of ice cream. Um, you can drizzle it atop any breakfast pastry. You can use it pancakes and waffles, just like a traditional syrup. Um, so there's a lot of fun uses and you're, you're getting something delicious, but you're also getting something healthy. So it's pretty cool. What do they call that? That's a twofer, <laughs> two for one. All right, so I'm going to run through the list here of the ingredients. It's pretty simple. Uh, you're going to start with a half a pound of dried elderberries, which is two cups, okay? Or if you're using fresh, you're going to do one pound of fresh elderberry, and that is four cups worth, okay? You're going to need eight cups of water, anywhere from one to three tablespoons of ginger root, and that will be minced, four cups of granulated sugar, preferably raw unbleached sugar. But if all you have on hand is white granulated sugar, use it. Okay. Two teaspoons of ground cinnamon and one teaspoon of ground cloves. Now, earlier when we were talking, I mentioned Splenda. Those of you watching your sugar intake, you're welcome to use Splenda, but I'm telling you now, I would cut the use in half. I would only use two cups because you do not want your syrup to be so overly thick that you can't pour it on something, okay? So you don't want to use four cups of Splenda. You only use, cut that in half, use two cups. It'll still sweeten the flavor just fine, um, but it'll keep the syrup uh, with a nice liquidity to it, okay? Now, for those of you who don't want to add the sugar at all, because you would rather just have the, the pungent, concentrated elderberry syrup with, you know, the cinnamon and the clove, you are welcome to do that. The ginger is going to be more pungent. So if you 
love ginger, go ahead and add all three tablespoons. But if you're going to be omitting the sugar and adding the ginger root, I would cut the ginger root down if you're not a huge fan and you just want to taste small um, tones of the ginger. I love ginger, so I actually put in more. <laughs> the recipe calls for one to three tablespoons, and I do that deliberately. You'll love ginger like me, add all three tablespoons, and I really heap my tablespoons, you know, because we're going to boil this through. We're going to infuse the water with the flavors, and I really want to taste that ginger, okay? All right, now let's go through the instructions. Again, it's super simple. Um, I'll walk you through both, whether you're using dried or fresh. If you're using the fresh elderberries, be sure to rinse them really well in a colander in the sink. And then I want you to remove the berries from the stem by using a fork. And you just basically put that smaller bunch uh, through the tines of the fork and you run it outwards so that the berries come off with the fork. It's a heck of a lot easier to do that versus picking each one off one by one. Not to mention you're going to have some really stained fingers. They're going to be so deep purple, they'll almost look black, and, and it'll take time to come off. So I would highly suggest just using the fork. Um, if you're using the dried um, organic berries, like I mentioned, uh, there's really no prep work, okay? Regardless of which elderberry you're using, place the elderberry and the minced ginger root into a stock pot and then add your eight cups of water. On medium-high heat, I want you to bring it to a boil, and I want you to stir it often. We want to make sure that while we're bringing it to a boil, we are blending everything really well, and we're not letting anything scorch on the bottom of the pan. Once it's at a boil, reduce the heat to low, and then I want you to cover and simmer this for a half an hour. And I want you to every so often take that lid off. I want you to stir it up real good. You've got to be blending those flavors. Now, for those of you using fresh berries, you boil for 30 minutes. If you're using the dried elderberries, you want to simmer it covered for an hour. Okay, it's going to take longer because, first of all, we have to rehydrate something that's already had all of the moisture removed, right? Now we need to rehydrate it. Then after the rehydration, we need to now infuse the water. So it's double the time. Keep that in mind when you're using dried versus fresh, okay? Now, once that has been accomplished, whether it's the 30 minutes for fresh or the one hour for dry, excuse me, for dried, remove the pan from the heat and I want you to uncover it. I want you to allow it to cool to the touch. Which, well, sometimes it takes about 20 minutes, okay? You don't want to burn yourself, so let it cool enough to handle. And then you're going to use either a sieve, a chinua, or a measuring bowl covered with cheesecloth. I often do this with one of those big rubber bands. I got my big uh, measuring um, glass measuring bowl from, I think it's from Pampered Chef, to be honest with you. And I just put the cheesecloth right over it, and I attach a huge big rubber band, and it holds it on perfectly. And you just want to carefully and slowly strain the elderberry ginger mixture. All right, you want to capture all the liquid. Um, I will often let that sit there and I'll let it drain for several hours because I really want to increase the syrups concentration. Um, if you don't have that kind of time, try to at least let it drain for an hour then, okay? 
Now, if you're using a sieve, a metal sieve, because you've got some resistance, you're also welcome to mash the mixture into the sieve to expel more liquid. Just make sure that your sieve has very small holes because the seeds are small and you don't necessarily want those seeds in your syrup, okay? All right, once everything has been expelled, everything's drained, you've got a nice, good, solid, gorgeous, deep, dark purple liquid, go ahead and discard the berry ginger mixture and put all of that beautiful liquid into a clean stock pot. Next, you're gonna add the sugar, the cinnamon, and the cloves, and you're gonna mix that really well. And you're going to now turn on the heat to medium, and you're going to slowly bring that to a boil. And you're going to stir that often because we want to dissipate that sugar and we want to properly and thoroughly blend the cinnamon and the clove throughout the liquid. Now, once it's on medium heat and it's been brought to a boil, I want you to reduce the heat to low and simmer it for about 30 minutes. And of course, stirring it frequently because we don't want to scorch anything. If it's if it's bubbling a little too high and it's too high of a simmer, turn it down. Okay, the goal here is to evaporate some of the liquid, some of the water, and you know, just give it an opportunity to concentrate a little bit longer, um, more stronger, if you will. And once you're done there, it's now time to pretty much just ladle that hot elderberry syrup into your jars and leave a good half inch of headspace. Wipe each jar rim with a washcloth dipped in vinegar, and then of course place the lid and ring on each jar and hand tighten. Now we're gonna water bathe this. We're gonna treat it like we would a tomato, okay? Now you're saying, Diane, why would we treat it like a tomato? Well, remember earlier I mentioned that the pH can vary depending on the variety of the elderberry. And there's so many different varieties out there that it's going to range, you know, upwards of like, like I said, 4.6 to 5.20. That's kind of the pH danger zone, if you will. Um, that's why a lot of people will add acid to their tomatoes um, just to be safe. Um, it's also why a lot of people will pressure can their tomatoes just to be safe. But as long as you're you're paying attention to the three pillars of home canning and you're increasing the processing time, which means you're increasing the exposure to the temperature, right? You're making it longer. Um, you are now making it safer to sit on your pantry shelf in long-term storage. So what we're going to do is we're going to pop these into the water bather. We're submerging them in water. Make sure your jars are covered fully by at least two inches of water atop all of those jars. Because we're going to be processing the pints and the half pints for 40 minutes, we need to account for evaporation. And so we've got to make sure everything's adequately covered with water. Um, don't start your timer until your water's at a full rolling boil. That's a visual indicator that you're, uh, you know, upwards of 212 or more. And those degrees are very important because it's at that temperature we can keep things safe because we are killing off any harmful foodborne pathogens. Now, like I said, you're going to process both your half pints and your pints for 40 minutes. And when your timer goes off and everything's done, just take your time, remove the canner lid, let everything sit and calm down for a good five to 10 minutes before you remove the jars from the canner to then cool on a cutting board on your, on your countertop. Okay. Let them calm down. You don't want any of that spilling onto the jar rim preventing a seal.
All right. So I wanted to share this in a podcast because those of you that prefer to listen versus read, I got to tell you, everyone who was reading this just went gaga. They loved this recipe and there was so much excitement around it that I not only wanted to talk about it, I took it a step further and I actually made a second recipe for those of you who wish to have a refrigerated tonic that embodies the antibacterial properties of raw honey and not use the sugar. And to do that properly, we don't want to expose it or the recipe, if you will, to heat. So I'm thankful to all of you. And because I decided to create another article that was dedicated to that amazing tonic, um, I definitely want to talk about that today as well in, in our time together. So while we all know that the elderberries used to make these, you know, jams and wines and syrups and pie fillings, the tonic is probably my favorite. Now, the syrup uses the four cups of sugar. And one thing I want to say to all of you when you're making that recipe, if you want to have it for the use of the tonic and just apply the, the raw sugar, go ahead and or the raw honey, excuse me, go ahead and omit the sugar. Um, just, just skip it when you're canning it. Okay. You don't have to add that sugar. And then what you can do is all of those jars that you've canned, you can simply pop it open. Okay. And you can add your raw honey, whisk it in there, stir it in there, put your lid and your ring back on and put it in the refrigerator. It's going to last for six months in the refrigerator. Okay. So that is one workaround. And the other would be going ahead and creating that same recipe, but yet making it specific for the refrigerator. So that's what we're going to dive into. Okay. Why I'm, why I'm doing it this way is, is, is very important. Um, the reason I'm not creating a canning recipe using the raw honey, it's because the amount of heating that is required is going to kill all of the beneficial properties, rendering the raw honey useless. So what's the point, right? I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to ingest something healthy. Now, the, there's a, a university extension offices do more than just talk about canning and gardening. They get really into bee health and they focus on the honeybees. Okay. One of their studies, or there's plenty of them out there, but one of them that they published an article on talks about how we shouldn't rapidly heat the honey, especially over direct heat. Um, The hotter you heat it, the more potential for reducing the nutritional value. Well, obviously we have to process this for 40 minutes, right? So that honey is going to just be worthless. Excessive heat can have detrimental effects on the nutritional value. And get this, guys. Heating the honey up to 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit causes the loss of nearly 200 components, most of which are the antibacterial components. So even those of us that love to put the raw honey in our tea, if our tea is too hot, we've just rendered that raw honey useless. So keep these things in mind when you want, you truly want the benefits of the raw honey because it, it far surpasses canning. I mean, it's, it, it's 
going to be just a flavor additive at that point once it's exposed to heat, right? But for those of us that um, want to do the workarounds, like I suggested, you can make the elderberry syrup canning recipe. You omit the sugar, water bath the syrup, that way it's shelf stable. And then when you open a jar, you mix it with your raw honey, store it in the refrigerator in an airtight container, and it lasts for upwards of six months. Okay. Um, otherwise, you can make the elderberry tonic with honey recipe. So we're going to go over that one. It gets me excited, as you can tell. <laughs> I love this one. And um, for those of you who do follow me and you are subscribed to my newsletter at canningdiva.com, I talked about this recipe as well. And I gave you the link to... Um, Oh, what is it? Uh, the Amazon brand. I don't even know if it's really a brand, but it's just the jars. Uh, there are a certain type of uh, swing top glass bottle that I love to use. And I make, I, I use this when I make kombucha. I use these when I make the elderberry tonic with honey recipe. They are amazing. They're very reasonable in price and they're perfect for this. Absolutely perfect. And it makes it easy to pour it out too. So when you go to use it, you're not having to dirty up a spoon. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, but there is a link on there uh, down. If you scroll down where it says elderberry tonic with honey recipe, it says makes two 16 ounce swing top glass bottles full. That is a hyperlink. And that takes you to Amazon where you can actually purchase the type of bottle that I'm talking about in this recipe. If you don't have access to that type of bottle, no worries. A canning, you know, jar is going to work um, or a canning lid and, and ring and what have you. But um, if you have something a little more airtight, it's, good, it's going to extend the shelf life in the refrigerator. Um, because there is no air getting in there, I can, I can say it's going to last for six months. If you don't have an airtight seal, it might only last three months. Okay. So keep that in mind when you're making this recipe. All right, we're going to start with those ingredients. We're going to do one cup of dried elderberries or two cups of fresh elderberries. You're going to need four cups of water. We're right back to that one to three tablespoons of ginger root minced. And then now the cinnamon and the cloves become optional. So if you want to do uh, some flavoring, you may do so. If you, if you don't, you may omit this, but if you do, you're going to want two cinnamon sticks, okay? Not the dried powder, the cinnamon stick. And you're going to want a teaspoon of whole dried cloves. And then you're going to also need one cup of raw honey. All right, just like before, if you're using the fresh elderberries, make sure you're rinsing them in a colander in the sink. And you're removing those berries by using uh, the tines of a fork. Get them right off of that uh, stem there. Now, if you're using dried, there's really nothing that you need to do prep-wise. Either way, place the elderberries, the minced ginger root, the cinnamon sticks, and the whole cloves in a stock pot and add water. On medium-high heat, you're going to bring everything to a boil, and of course, you're going to stir it often, just like before. Once it's at a boil, you're going to reduce the heat to low and you're going to simmer the fresh berries for 30 minutes, the dried berries for an hour. Make sure you're stirring everything often. We don't want anything scorching. Once this gets a burnt flavor, you can't get it out, okay? And then you're pretty much throwing the whole batch away. And that's, 
that's a lot of money and time down the drain, right? All right, so once everything has simmered properly, remove it from the heat, uncover it, and allow it to cool safely for about mm, 20 minutes. Using a sieve or like before, the measuring bowl with the cheesecloth, you're gonna strain your elderberry ginger mixture. You're going to make sure you're capturing the cinnamon sticks and the whole cloves. You're gonna let that drain. And again, the longer you can let it drain and drip, the better. Otherwise, try and shoot for at least an hour. All right, here's where the next step comes in that's very crucial. You're going to discard all the berry mixture. You're going to retain that liquid. And now you want that liquid to sit and cool completely. And that can take upwards of an hour. Why are we doing this? The raw honey. We certainly do not want to render any beneficial properties of that honey useless. We want to keep them in optimal condition. So we are going to let our elderberry liquid fully cool. And then we're going to whisk in the raw honey into that elderberry liquid. And we're going to take our time doing this because we want to thoroughly blend and disperse the raw honey. Now, using a narrow funnel, ladle the elderberry tonic into the swing top glass bottles and you're gonna store it in the refrigerator for up to six months. The reason I'm only having you make two 16 ounce swing top glass bottles full is because that's a, that's a year's worth. And if you're not using it regularly or you only find yourself using it every so often, I'd hate to have you waste it. So if you want to duplicate and, and scale this recipe up, you're welcome to do so. Just follow the, the crucial instructions so that you're not rendering the raw honey useless. All right, everyone. I hope you have learned something new. I hope you are excited to add this to your pantry. Um, for those of you that want to do some shopping now and head over to Amazon, go ahead, just type in the elderberry uh, one, bulk, one pound bulk and it's by Birds and Bees Teas. And uh, if you have any questions, feel free to follow me on Facebook at canningdiva.com. My private group is called Canning, Dehydrating, and Long-Term Food Storage. Go ahead and submit to joining our group. We'd love to have you. That's the best place to ask questions. Otherwise, you're welcome to shoot me an email at diane at canningdiva.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you so much for tuning in. You all have a wonderful, wonderful week and happy canning. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Canning with the Diva. For tips, recipes, and techniques, please visit us online at canningdiva.com.